What do despicable furry monsters, slipstream technology, and color-changing hair nanobots have in common? All this and more on this episode of Lasers and Lockets, the podcast all about clever and complex female characters in science fiction and fantasy entertainment. This is episode 21. Welcome back to the show. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Lee. And before we dive into tonight's retro review, a little bit of news you can use. News. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app and give us a rating to help us keep growing. I would greatly appreciate it. You can find us on all major platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify. In entertainment news, CW has announced that they'll be ending Arrow after an abbreviated eighth season. This news was met with many mixed feelings, even on my part. Personally, I believe Arrow peaked in season five, and the quality was never quite the same after that. If you think about it, Oliver Queen was missing for five years, and each season has followed that with the yearly flashbacks matching each year he was missing. I am curious to see what CW will use to replace Arrow in their lineup. Perhaps Batwoman? Perhaps a different DC hero? The Flash overtook Arrow quite a while ago as the most popular show on CW, but Arrow is still a very popular series. I hope they're able to end it out strong. Perhaps as part of the usual crossover event next year? I don't know. That would be pretty epic to go out that way. Lastly, Captain Marvel had a great weekend at the box office and pretty much blew every other movie out of the water. I haven't had a chance to see it yet, but I'm planning on going this week. And, of course, I shall get my favorite theater nachos. In case you were wondering, of course. (laughs) Have you seen the film yet? I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Tweet them to us over at Lasers Lockets. Okay, let's dive on into the topic tonight. Did you guess it from the teaser and the title of the episode? That's right, we're talking about Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda. I have briefly mentioned this series in a couple of previous episodes, but I wanted to take a retro deep dive into it. Andromeda was one of the last series developed from notes and scripts that Gene Roddenberry had before his death, and it was executive produced by his widow, Majel Roddenberry. This series, in my opinion is one of the darker of Roddenberry's series, and was running concurrently with Earth Final Conflict, which is another series developed from Gene's notes and ideas. Something that has always fascinated me about Gene Roddenberry's universe and series and concepts is that he shows us a hopeful future. We need more hopeful sci-fi series in the world, I believe. We have plenty of dystopian futures to consider, But what if we have a utopian future like Star Trek? Who's to say that we can't get to that point as humans? Okay, back to Andromeda. The series is interesting to me because it has elements of dystopian futures, but it also has remarkable hope too. It ran a respectable five seasons from 2000 to 2005 and was a Canadian produced series for the most part. It starred Kevin Sorbo, you may know him from the Hercules series, Lisa Ryder, Lexa Doig, 
Laura Bertrand, and Gordon Michael Wolvet. Oh, and Keith Hamilton Cobb as Tyr Anasazi. It follows the crew of the Andromeda Ascendant starship, which was trapped on the edge of an event horizon hundreds of years before, during the battle with the Nietzscheans. The Nietzscheans are an interesting race founded on eugenics, actually. It's kind of frightening. Anyway, when the ship is pulled free um, from the event horizon by a crew of salvagers, Dylan Hunt, the captain of the Andromeda, fights back against the salvage team. And in the process, he's introduced to Becca Valentine, Transgemini, Tyr Anasazi, and Harper. Becca is the captain of the salvage ship, the Maru. Dylan discovers that the system's com- common world—oh my gosh, system's commonwealth—has been essentially destroyed by the war with uh, the Magog and also the Nietzscheans, and he finds himself very much out of time and place. I mean, three hundred years have passed since the time he was trapped. Dylan's crew both abandoned the ship and/or died during the battle with the Nietzscheans, so he needs a crew, and he sees something in Becca Valentine and asks her and her crew to stay aboard. Initially, they join the crew because there's nothing really better for them to do, but eventually they catch the vision of creating the system's commonwealth again, and uh, they, they join in with him wholeheartedly. I'll be the first to admit, and I think it's important to bring this up right at the beginning, that the series is riddled with issues, and I think sometimes it leaves a lot to be desired. But there are also a lot of moments of pure brilliance. It had so much potential, And while it sometimes stumbled, I fell in love with and stuck with it through the whole run of the series. I rewatch this series when I'm having bad anxiety or if I'm having a hard time because it's comforting to me. It reminds me of a time when I was a young teenager and I had very few cares in the world. It's kind of like a security blanket in that way. This type of storyline is also nothing new, uh, particularly to the Roddenberry universe. In fact, Star Trek Voyager has a very similar origin story to the series, the larger ship being pulled into the Delta Quadrant, the Maquis joining with them after the members of Voyager were killed, etc. Wow, I am having a lot of side notes in this episode tonight. Sorry about that. Let's, you know what? Not sorry about that. That's kind of how I roll, right? All right, let's get back into Andromeda again. Tonight... I want to specifically discuss Becca Valentine, Transgemini, and Andromeda, or Rami, and why I believe they are such great complex characters. Let's start with Andromeda, or Rami. Andromeda is portrayed by Lexa Doig, and you may recognize her from a lot of other sci-fi series. She's been pretty prolific over the years, including Continuum, Supernatural, and most recently Arrow. Andromeda is the ship, an artificial intelligence that lives inside. Harper creates a physical body for Andromeda very early on in the series because, well, he's part attracted to her, part bored, and part fascinated with her having a physical body and being able to interact with her physically as well. She often refers to herself as a warship. However, Rami proves she's not just a robot. She can think, reason, and she's seriously badass. Sometimes I would even forget she wasn't human. She falls in love, exhibits fierce loyalty, and sometimes she makes decisions to save her crew and put herself in grave danger at the same time. Harper has had to repair her body several times throughout the run of the series. 
Rami's development is a really fun one in the series. As an intelligence who is discovering what it means to be human, she's pretty great in that pursuit. Her story arcs are strong, powerful, and emotional, and she's one feisty lady. While she is the brain and soul of the ship, no one treats her poorly, and she's on equal footing with the other characters on the show, even though she's not human. That is one thing that I deeply appreciated from this series. Everyone is on equal footing for the most part. Dylan is the captain of the ship, but he respects Rami, Becca, and Trance for their individual and collective strengths. While the storyline has been done so many times in AI discovering what it means to be human, Andromeda did a good job with Rami, and its emphasis on AI and that type of technology made it stand apart at the time, even if a lot of the other parts of it were weak. Let's transition to Becca Valentine, played by Lisa Ryder. Lisa has enjoyed a fairly successful acting career since Andromeda in Canada. This character was a very important one to me growing up. She was, essentially, the second female captain I had seen, Janeway being the first, in sci-fi television, and she was equal to the male captain of the Andromeda, and in a lot of ways, way, way smarter. I mean, to me, Kevin Sorbo's portrayal of Dylan Hunt was like watching a wet noodle try to act, but I digress. Becca is also one hell of a slipstream pilot. See, in this universe, Slipstream is the main mode of speedy travel between galaxies and planets, but it couldn't be navigated by AI. AI only choose the correct path 50% of the time, because they can't think and reason like a human. An organic pilot had to make the jump because they could make instinctual decisions, which AI don't have. Becca is introduced as a tough salvage captain with a mishmash crew, much like Firefly, but she's also got a heart of gold, much like Firefly. She was a deeply flawed character in a really good way. She battles her own demons, and she was a very real character to relate to. One of the most powerful storylines Becca had is when she becomes addicted to Flash, a drug that helps pilots make quicker decisions in Slipstream. It makes them faster, smarter, and stronger. I think it was a deep and heartbreaking devolvement into addiction, and it felt very real and very raw. She overdoses and nearly dies from it. From then on, she deals with the cravings for Flash, but fights to avoid it for the rest of her life. Becca's flawed nature is one of the strongest characterizations on the series. She has a tendency toward running away from problems, but as the series progresses and she becomes more connected to the others, she starts to face problems head on. I think it's a product of trust. It's sort of the embodiment of teenagers turning into adults. Becca also really, really doesn't like to be deceived or lied to. She can abide most things and forgive because she's done most things and sought forgiveness as well, but lying to her isn't one of those things. It's likely from her childhood that she has this frustration, and possibly from her creepy Uncle Sid. He's played by the well-known John Delancey, who plays Q in Voyager and I think Deep Space Nine as well. I don't want to get too spoilery, so I won't go into too much else with Becca's later character development, but suffice it to say, she becomes deeply important to the storyline. Lastly, we're going to dive right into Transgemini. 
This character is one of the most surprisingly enjoyable characters on the show. She's played by Laura Bertram. And Trance came into the series as a quirky purple alien humanoid with a tail. (laughs) She appears to be pretty useless at the beginning, but she brings luck to Becca. So Becca keeps her around. I can safely say it is a deeply important and good thing that she did. Purple Trance, as I like to refer to her as, is the kind of silly sci-fi character who makes aliens accessible and provides quality comic relief. The show also had Harper, who tried to be the comic relief, but he was so whiny and insufferable most of the time that I fast-forwarded through him frequently. Purple Trance, though, is a breath of fresh air in a series that sometimes took itself a little too seriously. Purple Trance is almost childlike, aloof, innocent, and naive. But when she says something serious, it can be quite alarming, almost frightening. She's very elusive about her true nature and what she is. Um, Nobody knows what she is really at the beginning. This creates a fascinating air of mystery about her, and it had me coming back each week to see if we got any additional clues about who she really was. Purple Trance has special abilities, though. She has precognition, or premonition abilities, which make her extremely valuable to the team. She saves them on a number of occasions, and her abilities are also useful in situations like espionage, gambling, and thievery. She's kind of like a Robin Hood, except for with supernatural powers. (laughs) In Season 2... Young Purple Trance takes the opportunity to switch places with her older future self. She becomes a golden color, and her personality is no longer as bubbly and aloof. She becomes much more stoic, mature, hard, and mysterious. The crew is understandably wary of her at the beginning, but they warm to her as much as they can. Future Trance, as I like to refer to her as, brings her with her a lot more of this serious tone, but she's not without warmth. Becca often turns to Trance for advice or to seek her abilities of precognition, even if she has a hard time with her. I can't get too in-depth with Trance's storylines because they are kind of major plot points and OMG moments of the series, but I thoroughly enjoyed her character she became one of my favorites. The original direction for her character would have been pretty dang fascinating to see and would have more appropriately explored the duality of life, of good and evil, light and darkness, pleasure, pain. However, after the original showrunner left the, se- left the series after season one, her storyline was overwritten by the new showrunner, and while it's not a bad direction, I feel it could have been better under the direction of the original showrunner. In fact, I believe you can find the original Destiny of Trance published online. I'll see if I can find it and I'll post the link in the show notes. It's called Andromeda Coda, if I remember correctly. Overall, the show holds a special place and the same nostalgia for me with the characters of Trance, Becca, and Rami holding a special place in my heart. The series did not age particularly well, and the special effects are just so-so when looked at side-by-side with compared Star Treks of the time, including Deep Space Nine and Voyager, but there was so much potential there. 
While it missed the mark from time to time, there are some really great moments to watch for, and it is a lot of fun. That leads me to the recommendations for this episode. You can't currently find Andromeda streaming on any major service in the U.S., but you may be able to find it elsewhere. It was on Amazon Prime for a while in the U.S., but appears to have left. If you can find it, or even if you can just borrow the Slipstream collection from one of your uber-nerd friends, I believe it's worth a watch. If for nothing more than to laugh at how bad the Magog fur onesies were, or the time when Becca or one of the other women on the crew outsmart Dylan. And there are a lot of those times. (laughs) Here we are at the question of the episode, gentle listeners. Did you watch Andromeda live on TV? How about Earth Final Conflict? Which one did you prefer? And how did you feel about its ability to hold up after all these years? And that will do it for another episode of Lasers and Lockets. We'll see you back here in two weeks. Until then, remember Becca's oh-so-important observation that one hair color is boring, and get on designing those color-changing hair nanites. Never trust a man with a force lance and a red pleather jacket. And if Magog infests your ship, don't let them bite your neck. Get your nerd on and be awesome. All right. <laughs>